Um, I want to preach on this uh, subject. I want to talk about the kingdom today. Um, Pastor Ruben brought an amazing message two weeks ago, and he spoke about created to rule. But I want to preach on the kingdom. And, and I love it because this is also being shared globally, uh, not only through our YouTube channel. By the way, we just reached 300,000 subscribers on YouTube. Can we praise God? I banged this thing so hard, my thumb went numb. That means I meant it. Um, and But also, Mike Todd is preaching a series on the kingdom. Shout outs to Mike Todd and Transformation Church. And I just, before you know, you hear some of the things that you, you hear today, be like, you know, Mike Todd was preaching this message on kingdom and it was so amazing and I just love it. Before you do that, I, I just want to let you know that we've been preaching kingdom in this church for the last seven years at Matrix. Come on, somebody. And I'm just grateful that the rest of the kingdom God is catching up. Come on. <laughs> Uh, but the message I have to share with our church today is really not, I, I, I want to make sure that I explain this the right way. Like, there are times that we need a good, God's going to rescue you message. There's, there's many times that we need that. How many know that we need that? I just want to be honest, this is not that message. I know there's many times we need this, God's going to pick you up. God's going to rescue you. God's going to lift you out of the miry pit and the clay. Like, he's going to do that for you, and I, God does do that. But what I'm trying to say to you is that sometimes we are just looking to God for a bailout rather than learning how to walk in his blessing. God will bail you out. He will. But I'm just saying that God wants more for you than him just bailing you out. He wants to show you how to walk in his blessing. Amen? Amen? Like I have Bishop. Bishop is, we were just talking about this the other day. Bishop is now going to be 18 years old this year. Somebody pray for me. And I was telling him, he was like, how does it feel looking at your son who you saw be born driving a car? And I said, I'm grateful because I get to experience the level and the, evol the evolution of our relationship. Yes, I don't get to wipe your behind when you poop anymore. But I now get to experience a different kind of joy, and it's having conversations. It's having conversations about your career, about your future, about your calling, about your friendships. Somebody said, mm -hmm. I get to have those conversations now with it. It's the same thing. God doesn't want you just to, just to pacify you with a pacifier. He wants you to learn how to walk and talk and express, and he wants you to learn how to walk in his blessing. Amen. So this message is, and the reason I, I, I want to share this message with us is because I think so many of God's people have learned how to be beggars in the kingdom and not beloved sons in the kingdom. This is important for us to get. I, I want to share this with you as your, as your, as your father in the faith, as a, as a, as a, if anything, as a shepherd of this house. That's just so many of us that we've just kind of become accustomed to kind of like walking in this like beggar's mentality. And God, I just, I just want to come before you, God, and just ask for just a little bit of a cracker. If you can just bestow upon me a little bit of blessing upon me and just a little drip drop. If you would just find it in your heart to please just throw me down a blessing. And God is saying that it's in you. If you would know who you are. If you would know what you've been brought into. You wouldn't be asking me for things that you already possess. Okay, so I, I, I used to be, I, this, is, this is something that the Lord has, has wrecked me in. Like, so I used to be like, God, please, if you can, like, I, God, please, I beg you, God, please. Until I read this verse and it changed my life. 
And I really believe that if you receive this message today, that you will walk in the fullness and in the blessing that God has made available for everyone in this room. Watch this. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Look what it says. It says, the sin of this one man, Adam, everybody shout Adam, Adam. caused death to be king over all. But all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings. You never heard this taught in church. Are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus. In other words, if you've been a recipient of the grace of God, being a recipient of the grace of God is not so just so that you can say you are forgiven. But it's also so that you can say that you are favored. That's not even in my notes. I gave you that for free and we already collected the offering. So you've been favored. It's not so that we can walk around kind of like barely making it with a victim mentality. Look what ha has happened to me. Look what they're doing to me. Look what they've done to me. But he says this, hey, you're a king of life. The original translation actually uses this word that means reign in life. Can I just declare to you that God didn't call you to just live at the bottom barrel of life? He's called you to reign in life. Do we got any kings and queens in this house? And, and, and you might say, Pastor Roe, you, you said in the first week of this series, you said that we were, we, the greatness is, is servanthood. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. That according, according to Revelation chapter 22, he says those that serve people are his kings. In other words, if you're a king, you've been called to serve people, but you've also been called to reign in life. See, if you, got it, if you don't know who you are, what will happen is, is that you'll try to rule people and life will reign over you. God's never called you to reign over people. See, and that's the thing. When you don't reign in life, you get emotionally unstable, and then you think you got tried to rule people. I'm preaching. But when you serve people, you understand that you can reign in life. Do we got any kings and queens in the house today? My title to this message is simply this. Kings and queens of life. Look at the person next to you. Um, make sure you use the proper, tell them, tell them, tell them, I'm a king. Tell them, I'm a queen. Lisa Remedios, you are my queen. You better not tell nobody else, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness, your, your grace that has allowed us to be sons and daughters in your kingdom. I thank you for what you're doing in this house, Lord. It is unexplainable, especially these last three weeks that you've been, that we've been fasting, Lord God. Just, we thank you, God. This is the way we serve. This is the way we want to live. Father, I pray that you heal the hurting today, but that you also empower them. That they won't, that we won't see ourselves as victims, but we will see ourselves as victorious. Help me preach this three-hour message in 45 minutes in Jesus name and anybody says amen and amen can we give the Lord a shout of praise in this room hey you know I, I genuinely believe that uh, 90 I don't know if you agree with me but I believe that 99% of marriages would be saved if we would understand one another's intention 
And all the married folk know exactly what I'm like. You know what? I, you, you know what? I, I'm seriously like. Think about it. Like every single argument that ends ends this way. Listen, I am sorry. That wasn't my. Come on, somebody. We got a lot of hurting people in the house, <laughs> right? Like we all fill in the blank. Like, hey, I didn't mean to hurt you. Like we, like we, like that's we we understand that that every almost every argument just kind of ends that way. Like, listen, hey, like, that wasn't my intention. That, that's not what I meant. That's not what I wanted to do. Like, I, I mean, from the biggest argument to the smallest argument, like, it really ends with this idea. Like, it wasn't my intention. I didn't mean for you to get hurt. I, I'm sorry, baby. Mi amor, cariño de mi vida. Perdóname, pero that wasn't my intention. Right? Like, from again, from the smallest to the biggest argument. Like, the, like, like baby, why is it that I wake up in the middle of the night, Rolando, and I don't have my covers on me? Baby, that, that, that wasn't my intention. Like, I just wanted to roll over. And there's a lot of rolling over when you're 245 pounds. And there's a lot of muscle that when I roll over, I take the whole quilt with me. Come on, somebody. Just take the whole thing. Baby, you took the whole cover. Baby, I'm sorry. That wasn't my intention. Like, that wasn't what I meant to do. And, 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 and I mean, thank God for counseling because for the first five years of our marriage, my goodness, like Lisa would have this thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I have experienced it head on. I had this thing that whenever I raised my voice, Lisa got closer and closer. <laughs> it's the first five years of our marriage. Like, I was just like, you think I'm scared? And I'm like, I was hoping that you would be. But that's the thing, like, like when we first got married, like, and I would, I would take, like, yo, yo, she's trying to shoot the fair one? Like, what's up? <laughs> like, like, yo, what's going on? Like, don't get so close. Why are you? I'm yelling, and the louder I got, the closer she got. You know what I mean? And then we went to counseling, and we, we discovered that Jesus, um, that Lisa was just, look, come on, somebody. I said Jesus when I was trying to say Lisa. If I would have said some other name, she would have been like, who that chick? <laughs> But, 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 but we went to counseling and we discovered that that was just really a coping mechanism that she began to utilize because when she was an eight-year-old girl, she would have to run and protect her mother. And so for her, it kind of set her in this point where she would run to the chaos. She would run to her mother's rescue because she would now assert herself as the protector. And so for her, it was her way of feeling safe and secure, protecting her mom. And so I'm over here thinking she's trying to catch the fate. And all this time, she ain't trying to catch the fade. All this time, she was just trying to feel protected and safe. And I'm like, you're walking towards the danger. And she's like, no, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Right. And so for me, it was like, that wasn't her intention. Like her, she wasn't trying to catch the fade with me. She was just trying to feel safe and protected. Everybody shout intention. I want to talk to you about this subject of intention. This is the first point that I want to talk about because I think that when it comes to intention, it's very important to share it when we're talking about the subject that we're going to share today. When we're talking about the kingdom of God, I want to talk to you about Jesus' intention. The reason I say that is because I think that so many times we have misunderstood the intention of Jesus. 
I really believe that. I think that if Jesus would come down, according to the New Testament, what we know about Jesus in the New Testament, I think if Jesus would come down today and he would take inventory of everything that he sees in the church experience and he would look at our buildings and he would look at our traditions and he would look at our rituals and he would look all that, I think that he would look at it and be like, hey, guys, I don't don't think, I think if he would look at all the denominational differences and the theological separation that's been, I think he'd say, hey, guys, excuse me. I don't think that that was my intention. I don't think that that's what I meant when I said establish my kingdom. I think when he would look at our buildings and maybe some of our Sunday experiences, I think he would say, hey, hey, I don't think that's what I, that's what I meant. I, don't, I never intended to establish a religion amongst others. I, I want to submit to you today that I don't think that Jesus' intention was ever to create a, a just organized group of people that would meet in a building for the sole purpose of being called converts. I don't think that Jesus, his intention was to establish more rules and regulations so that the most devoted and the most dedicated and the most religious would, would be able to vote, devote themselves and show their loyalty and their dedication and their zeal. To, I don't think that that was his intention. And you might ask today, well, what was his intention? Someone say, what was the intention? What was the intention? The intention is actually made clear because it's actually spoken about over a hundred times in the New Testament. See, when Jesus steps into the scene, he speaks about his intention over 100 times. Only in the four gospel, he mentions what his intention is. And what Jesus speaks about the most. You ever wonder what was the subject that Jesus spoke about the most? I would say holiness. It wasn't holiness. I would say love your neighbor. It was never love your neighbor. I would think, hey, it's love. Like love people, heal people. That wasn't Jesus' main topic. His number one topic by a mile was this one subject, the kingdom of God. It was the kingdom of God. And by the way, that it, it, by the way, if, if sheer quantity and simply the pattern of the amount of times he has spoken about it is not enough, he actually made it explicitly clear in Luke chapter 4 verse 43. It says, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom. I must preach the kingdom of God, but not just preach it. Watch this. I must go to the other cities for I was sent for this purpose. In other words, the reason that I've come to earth was not to establish a religion, it was to establish a kingdom. The reason that I came to earth was not to establish church membership, it was to establish citizens who would serve in a kingdom. The reason that I came to earth was not so that I can purchase for myself slaves that would serve me with undivided focus. No, it was so that I can come and and create for me a people, a country of sons and daughters who I would call kings and queens to help me reign and establish this kingdom of heaven here on earth. If anybody believes that in this place, give God a praise. I, I came to establish a kingdom. I mean, Jesus comes into earth. He's born of a virgin woman. He is raised up to 30 years old. 30 years old, he comes, he starts a ministry. He, 
After starting a ministry, he, he goes to town to town. He performs miracle after miracle. He preaches the kingdom every place that he goes. He's preaching the kingdom. He's preaching the kingdom. And then he dies on the cross for your sins and my sins. Then he's buried. He, he's, he has an agonizing death, but then he's buried for three days. And on the third days, anybody grateful that he rose again on the third day? But the beautiful thing about him raising on the third day, watch this. Even after raising on the third day, he doesn't say it's over because look, Acts chapter 1 verse 3. You want to know what the the first message that Jesus preached when he was raised from the dead was it was the kingdom during the 40 days after he had suffered and died he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God you ever wonder what the first message Jesus ever preached Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, for the time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is, this is what happens in Christianity. See, Jesus didn't come to establish Christianity. Jesus didn't come to establish another religious, religious organization. As a matter of fact, the word Christian is only, only appears three times in the Bible. And oftentimes it was a label that was given from other people. Those are the little Christs. Those are the Christians. Those are the one, ones of the way. But what Jesus came to establish was the kingdom. And the first message he preaches was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We get it twisted. We say, hey, Jesus re preached repentance. Repentance is not a message. Repentance is an action you take after you hear the proper message, which is the message of the kingdom. <laughs> hear me. What do I mean? It's like saying, hey, buy it, buy it. You're like, buy what? But, but I need you to buy it. No, listen, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to Fifth Avenue and I'm going to preach. Buy it, buy it, buy what? And what happens is that in a religious organization and we don't see it as a kingdom, what we're going to do is we're going to the corners and we're saying, repent, repent. And then it's like, for what? In the original language is a word named metania, metania, which means change your mind. They're like, change your mind? Okay, to what? There's no power in preaching repentance. But there's power in preaching the kingdom of God that leads people to repentance. Come on, somebody. You can't tell somebody to buy it if you're not showing them the product. But when you put, when you put the product on display and it's appetizing to people and it's showing them the love that they've never encountered. Their, their only response is, what must I do to be saved? And Peter said, he said, repent and be baptized. This was the kingdom. What did Jesus teach his disciples to preach? Luke chapter 9, verse 2. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. What did the apostle Paul preach? Acts chapter 28 verse 31. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without any hindrance. That's the way we that's the word that we use for Christ uncensored. That's that's the that's the passage of scripture that we created Christ uncensored with because Christ is going to be preached without hindrance without with boldness with courage come on somebody 
So what did the apostle Paul preach? What did, what did Jesus preach? He preached the message of the kingdom. What, did, what was Jesus about? He was about the message of the kingdom. The first message he ever preached was kingdom. The last message he ever preached, even after resurrection, was kingdom. And then he tells his disciples, to, hey, I need you to go out and preach the kingdom. The apostle Paul, even after years of Jesus dying and resurrecting and ascending already, the apostle Paul is preaching the kingdom. What did he tell people to seek after the most? Can I tell you? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, be but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He was preaching the kingdom so much that people were like, hey, where's this kingdom? Because I don't see it. He said, what are you talking about this kingdom? See, it was Jesus was speaking about an invisible reality. And oftentimes we only submit ourselves to what we can see with our physical eyes but there's so much of life that's happening that we cannot sense with our physical senses and so he he, he was asked at one point he says hey where's this kingdom that you keep preaching about i need to see it look what jesus's response is in luke chapter 17 by the way mama fran had a bible wanted a bible study you're getting a bible study right now on the kingdom come on somebody who says Luke chapter 17, verse 20. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom begin? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God isn't ushered in invisible signs. You won't be able to say it has begun here in this place or there in that part of the country. For the king, this is why I wanted to, this is really why I wanted to share this message with you. Because, because of Jesus' answer. He says, for the kingdom of God is within you. <sighs> oh, oh, yeah. When is, when is the kingdom going to come? Oh, is it going to come from the left? Is it going to come from that? No, no, no. Like you don't understand. Like what the kingdom of God is in you. In other words, what I am doing is I am restoring unto us what Adam lost in the garden. See, what Adam lost was a kingdom. But what I'm doing now is restoring what Adam lost. What I mean is in the beginning, when I created humanity, I created them in my image, according to my likeness. And I told them go and have dominion. That word dominion is what we use now as kingdom is to dominate is domain. Kingdom means the king's domain, dominion. He says, I just came to restore what Adam has lost. So now when I read Romans chapter five, verse 17, I can see through the lens that Jesus was trying to communicate through the through the writings of the apostle Paul. He says, the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to be king over all, but all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings of life through this one man, Jesus. What am I saying? That if you're a recipient of the grace of God and you have received his love and his love has changed your life, he hasn't called you just to endure life, put up with life, struggle in life. He's called you to reign in life. Someone shout kingdom. Kingdom. I bet you your life would change dramatically if you saw yourself as part of a kingdom and not a religious organization. He's, his intention was to establish a kingdom. His intention was to extend what was in heaven on earth. He wanted to colonize earth from heaven. 
In other words, that's why you can understand scriptures like, I am in this world, but not of it. Because though I would be in another country, when I was in Dominican Republic, I was in Dominican Republic. But sabes que? Oh, oh, I was not Dominican. Sabes que, tigerazo? I was not Dominicano. I was eating platanos, but I wasn't Dominicano. Someone's going to get offended, and I'm sorry. I just want to apologize right now. I'm sorry. Please don't bring this up in the meeting. I received my own feedback right now. My, 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 point, my point is, this is why we can understand scriptures like, you are in this world, but not of it, because your kingdom is not of this world. There are earthly kingdoms that you were never meant to be a part of. You, you, you are a citizen of another kingdom. And, and the first thing that, the first I word that I wanted to give you today was that word intention. Here's the second one that I need you to hear is identity. Look at the person next to you. Tell them identity. identity. Tell them identity. identity. See, I think, I think that the reason that we can reign in life, the reason that we're kings and queens in life is because it was always God's intention. And no matter what you go through, you always have to remember God's intention for your life. But the second thing you need to remember is that God restored your identity. And here's the thing. Sometimes we're like, God gave us a new identity. It's not, he's given us a new identity, but not quite that he's given us a new identity. Listen to me. He hasn't given us a new identity. He really restored your original identity. If you don't know who you are, you'll never know what to do. If you don't know who you are, you don't, you'll never know what to do. And so many people are trying to figure out their purpose in life, but they still don't know who they are in life. But when you know who you are in life and you know whose you are in life, the answer to the question of what to do will always be answered in the one whose you are. And so, and so I, I, there's so much that we can discuss in terms of identity, but what I've really felt the, the Holy Spirit wanted, like we could do a whole series on identity. So please, if I don't touch every aspect of identity in this point, please understand is because this is a, this is a series that we can talk about just on kingdom, just on identity. And, and by the way, we are in identity in Matrix. Real quick plug, on Mondays we are talking about our identity in Christ Jesus. So, so, so. So he's given us and he's restored our original identity. And so many times what happens is, is that you're going through something, but you are allowing more to happen than what should happen simply because you don't know who you are. Simply because we don't know who we are or who we haven't embraced who we are. We're still attached to labels. And again, if you think you're something that you're not, you'll allow things in your life that were never meant to be. And this is what this is this is a beautiful example with the apostle Paul because if you don't know who you are, you don't know the rights that have been given to you in the kingdom. And there are so many people that are allowing so many of God's children that are that are complaining. It's like it's like Bishop when he's like, "Dad, I don't have any food." Imagine Bishop saying, I don't have any food. Imagine Sailor coming to me and saying, Dad, there's no food. I don't have, where am I going to get food? I'm like, do you know what house you live in? Do you know that you live with the greatest chef 
in Staten Island, New York, named Rolando Remedios. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Like, oh, he doesn't know who he is if he's asking that question. Because if you knew who you are and whose you are, you'd know the kind of cook that you have in the kingdom of the Remedios household. Right, and so the Apostle Paul, I just want to use this example. The Apostle Paul is preaching the message of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. And he is now being interrogated. They, they, they grab him up and they are questioning him. But at one point there, they shackle him up. Now I want you to catch this. The Apostle Paul was a Jew, but he was also a citizen of Rome. Now, if you were a Jew, there were certain rights that you didn't have that Roman citizens had. This is powerful. I want to read it to you in Acts chapter 22. Watch this. The crowd listened until Paul said the word, and then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow! He isn't fit to live! That's how I hear, I read all this Bible stuff. They yelled and they threw off their coats and tossed handful of dust into the air. And the louder he got, the closer they got to his face. I'm just, I was not there. I was just. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered that he be lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer, I'm sorry, this is how I see Paul. Paul is tied up. He's bent over. He's getting ready to be flogged. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer, Hey, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, What are you doing? This man's a Roman citizen? So the commander went over to ask Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am. Paul replied, I am too. The commander muttered, it cost me plenty. Paul said, I'm a citizen by birth. Can I tell you, you're a citizen of the kingdom and it didn't cost you anything. You are a citizen by birth. Come on, somebody. The soldier who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard he was a Roman citizen. And the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. In other words, the apostle Paul used his rights as a Roman citizen to stop the kind of flogging that was about to take place in his life. And I don't know who this is for, but I believe that I'm prophesying to someone that the days of life getting the best of you... Mm, the days of situations getting the best of you. The days of life flogging you up. Come on, somebody. The days of life getting in the way of you are over. I declare for every single king and queen in this house that you would know who you are in Christ Jesus. And you say it stops here. Poverty stops here. The flogging of anxiety stops here. The flogging of resentment stops here. The flogging of unforgiveness stops here. I know who I am in Christ. 
Christ and I'm not a peasant. I'm not someone that's a victim. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. I know that I'm a son. I know that I'm a daughter. I know that I'm a king, a queen, a priest, a prophetess. Is there anybody in this place that says, I know my identity in Christ Jesus? It's like so, so many of us, and it's just human nature. We were created. We were created for identity. So what happens, what happens is, is that, is that we, we, we end up forfeiting our rights. And so we, we, we kind of like just embrace the labels. We just embrace the labels. Like that's, that's, that's what we do. We don't know who we are. So we just kind of like embrace the label that kind of fits the best for us. I remember when Sailor was like seven years old, she was like, I'm not that kind of person. And I was like... You're seven years old. <laughs> what do you mean you're not that kind of person? I was like, you don't know the kind of person you are yet. How quickly and young we begin to embrace labels. For so many years, they used to tell Sayla she had an anger problem. She was 10 years old talking about she had an anger problem. I'm like, Sayla, when was the last time you were angry like that? She was like, well, I get angry, but not like that angry. But they tell me that I'm, I get angry. Like I used to have an attitude. I was like, yeah, when you were four. The Lord set you free when you were four. Come on, somebody. There was intervention right there. But we embrace, it's just human nature. Like I've done it. Like we embrace human nature. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to remind somebody today and say, your personality type is not your label. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just so loud. I'm just quiet. Like, all right, that's fine. That's, that could explain you, but that doesn't define you. Your personality type is not your label. Your health history, I don't know who I'm speaking to today, your health history and your health condition is not your label. Stop saying, stop saying you're a diabetic. Stop saying you're an asthmatic. Stop saying that you're, you're an anxious person because that's not your identity. Come on, that's not your identity. Your political affiliation is not your identity. Your marital status is not your identity. Your sexual orientation, gay, straight, both. Listen, that's not your identity. Your identity is that you're a king and that you're a queen in Christ Jesus. That's not your identity. Those things may explain. I know this might hurt somebody today, but your sport team affiliation is not your identity your, your team loses and you're in five weeks of depression why? because you married your identity to that you're married and what Jesus is trying to say is that I've given you a new identity those things are fun those things are great but you're not married to those things that's not your identity does anybody receive that in this place? Okay, uh, third, 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 third I word, uh, initiative. Everybody shout kingdom initiative. So all this means is that you are no longer living for your plan and your desire and your ambition and your goal. You want to see your greatness be unlocked? Submit yourself to kingdom initiative. It means that, that it's not your will, but it's God's will. Have you ever real, has any, um, has anybody here ever realized like, like, like God's plan is just different from yours? 
Has anybody ever realized like God's ways are just so much different than our ways? Um, has anybody ever realized like, like God's, like God's plan for our lives is way different the way we've seen our lives? Yeah. Anybody realize like the way God sees love and the way we see love are totally different? Come on, yeah. yeah, the Bible says that my, my ways are not like your ways. And this is why God always reminds us what his intention is. And what his initiative is. And he wants to remind us today, like this is even why as a church we come together and we, we have what's called Vision Sunday. Because sometimes we can be in a church gathering and forget the very reason that the church exists. It just happens. You're not bad for it. You're not a bad person for it. It's like, oh, no, like it, that, it happens. Human instinct oftentimes kicks in. Even when you don't desire, even when you don't want it, it's like, it's like a knee-jerk reaction sometimes. It's just like, oh, yeah, like, wait a minute, like, what? Like, the whole reason the church exists, I must have, it must have, I must have missed it. I got caught up in the songs. I caught, caught up in the work. I, I started thinking that church was for me. I started getting mad when someone sat in my seat. I still get mad when I come here and someone sits in my parking lot. And it's not even my, it's not even my parking spot. It's Pastor John Saldana's. <laughs> it's like, nah, it's not. For me, it's kingdom initiative. And so what, what God does is that he gives you a different plan. He gives you a different assignment. And his assignment sometimes is not included in your agenda. His assignment is not included. And this is why, again, as a church, we have Vision Sunday. As a, as a church, we come together and we are reminded once again, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. This is why we exist as a church. This is why we live as a church. This is why we have Sunday service. This is why we have community group. This is why we have Grove Track. This is why we serve. This is why we have Easter. This is the, this is the reason. And so we're going to come together next week. Do I have everybody's commitment to be here for Vision Sunday? Come on, somebody. So if we don't submit ourselves to the agenda of the kingdom, just what happens is, is that we create our own kingdom where we can rule and reign. And I just want to tell you this as the worship team comes up, that, um, that God's dream is bigger than your dream. That God's plan is bigger than your plan. That God's purpose is bigger than your purpose. That God's assignment is bigger than your agenda. And let me be honest. You won't always want to fulfill God's will for your life. But it will always be worth it to fulfill it. You won't, you won't always want to. How do I know? Well, Jesus didn't always want to. The Bible says... That there was a time that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, already seeing his death. You know what his prayer was? God, if it be your will. It's almost as at that moment we see the dual nature of our Lord and Savior. He says, Lord, if it be your will, pass this cup for me. But he goes, but not my will. Not my will, but your will be done. That was his prayer. He was like, I have a plan. I have a purpose, but I, I know that I'm about the kingdom initiative. 
I know that I'm about the kingdom initiative. I just want to pray that right there where you are, just close your eyes. Close your eyes right there. I just want to, can you just say that with me? Say, Lord, not my will. Come on, say that again. Say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Say it again. Come on, Lord. I don't know who this is for. Lord, not my will. Your will be done. Your will be done in my life. Let me give you the last word here, and, and I want to kind of hone in on this word uh, in a unique way. But the last word here is influence. Everybody shout influence. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says, and I tell you that you are Peter. Watch the identity take place. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. You see it all there. You see kingdom identity taking place. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You understand your rights. (laughs) If you're part of his kingdom, there's no devil that could cross the line and try to flog you. He says, but I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. So, Sabesque Ruben, you may have lost your keys in a toilet bowl, but the Lord has given you keys of the kingdom. I will give you keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know what he's giving you? He's giving you kingdom influence. So God just, God, God's intention comes to fruition. Then he restores your identity. Then he signs you up for his initiatives. But here's the thing. Then he gives you the influence to carry it out. And, and here's where I want to, I want to like, psh, just turn the page real quick and, and hone in on this one page of this chapter of influence, because there's many pages in this chapter of influence. I just want to, I want to, I want to peek the page on this one, one chap, one, um, one page. God's people struggle so much in the area of finances. When the kingdom of God should be leading the way in finances. There's never been a money church. You know that. But the kingdom of God, if you were to see yourself as a kingdom citizen, you would walk in the financial blessings that God has made available for you. Listen, listen to me. Because you're not going there saying, God, I just please, please, I need something. I need money. I need, that's how I was doing. Like I've prayed it, right? God, I need a job. I get to need a job. I, God, please, Lord, help. Like, no, God, I thank you that I'm a child of the king and I just got to seek your kingdom and you said in your word that if I seek your kingdom and all of its righteousness then all of these things will be added unto me it's different when you see yourself as a king and a queen not as a not as a beggar not as a just God please just please give me a little I remember, I remember I went to the Dominican Republic 2022. Listen to me. This is for somebody. And I, and I didn't want to go here. God told me to go here. I promise you. I wanted to talk about influence. The Lord said, talk about financial influence. There's so many of us here that see ourselves as just average financial people that will never grow from our financial bracket. You need to break that in the name of Jesus. You need to break that in the name of Jesus. It's not so that you can get more things. It's so that you can make more happen in the kingdom. 
That's, that, that's the kingdom. And I remember when I was in Dominican Republic, you could ask my wife. I was like, she was like, baby, so what's the Lord telling you? She's like, baby, I'm dying. I haven't drank. I haven't ate a thing. She's like, but, but aren't you in Georgia just like the Holy Spirit is just working the place? I said, no. We have chapped lips. But at the end of the fast, here's what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, Rolando, this is the year of financial breakthrough in your life. That's what he said. And I said, Lord, how am I going to go back to the church and tell them that the most spiritual thing I got was about financial blessings? He said, he said it's going to start with you, and you're going to see it trickle down in the members of our church. Come on, somebody. Listen, so I don't know what financial situation you've been going through. Like, like, through the pandemic, so many churches closed. Do you know why? You know, so many churches closed because of funding, because of money. I just, I just think that God's called his house to be the house where funding can be filled and funding can flow. And in 2022, God is faithful to his promise. It was the highest grossing year in the Remedios household ever. I hope my baby mama's not hearing this online. She'll chase me for child support. And all the child support givers in the house say, Shandalaba. Like, here, I got the proof. Look. Pastor Marquez is like, why is he always making a joke during the deep part right now? I heard his voice. I want to read to you this verse on kingdom influence because I believe that God has given you the keys. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said to me, Rolando, too many of my children are trying to pick locks when I've given them keys. You're trying to make it your way. You're trying to hustle. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to scheme. You're trying to hide. You're trying to be dishonest. You're trying to, because of, and I get it, I understand it. Because I, I, gotta, I gotta feed my kids and I gotta, I gotta pay the rent. I gotta, and here's what I wanna read to you. This is, what, this is what I'm talking to you about, influence. Philippians chapter four, verse 19. But my God, my king, oh, I serve a good king. That's why he's the king of kings. And he doesn't allow his kings and queens that see themselves as such, that are not giving up on their rights, that are not operating on a false kingdom. That, that king, he'll supply all your needs from his glory. No, it doesn't say from. Ooh. It doesn't say from. That's why it doesn't say kings. That's why it doesn't say keys to the kingdom. It says keys of the kingdom. Different keys of the kingdom. In other words, there's keys that the kingdom gives you that you can hold on to to unlock doors that no man can close. And you can close doors that no man can open. He says, not from his riches. If I gave you from my riches, I'd give you $500. Because that's what my riches allows me to give. That's from my riches. But he doesn't, like how many know that it's different when you get 
a gift according to Bill Gates' riches. Not for, See, you could take a dollar from Bill Gates and he won't even know it's gone. You take a dollar from me. I'm noticing that joint. Why am I saying that? Because God doesn't just supply your needs from his riches. He supplies your needs according to his riches. And the God I serve is richer than Bill Gates and then Bezos. And he says, according to that, I'm going to supply your needs. In other words, what I have to give you, my daughter, what I have to give you, my son, is not no five below kind of gift and blessing. I came to give you a blessing and a blessing in abundance. If you believe that in this house, give God a praise and stand up on your feet today. Okay. We've gone way overdue. Okay, here. Now I want you to read Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans 5, 17. The starting verse. The starting verse. Romans 5, 7. Oh, it's not working? The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to be king over all. But all who have take will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings and queens of life. You don't start being a king and queen by saying, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to know my identity. No, no. Sometimes it's not about here first. It's about becoming a better receiver of God's free gift. Because the more you know how forgiving you are, the better you are at receiving that, the better you are at being who God called you to be. You know what baptism is? Baptism is saying, okay, I receive your free gift. Can you stand up on your feet today? Hey, if you're in this place and you're watching online, by the way, God is doing something amazing at Christ Uncensored because we have three people online who want to get baptized and we don't even know how to make it happen. So we're going to figure out by the next baptism on how to make these people that have signed up from different, like they're not nowhere near Staten Island, New York, and they want to be baptized on the Christ Uncensored House of Worship. Come on, somebody. Okay, if you're in this place today and you say, I want to receive that free gift, if that's you, I want to encourage you that as you raise your hand, the next step is just to walk in baptism. It's so that you would say, my life is not my own. I'm signing up for his grace. I'm signing up to receive his love. I'm signing up to be a good recipient of his grace and his forgiveness. And when you receive that gift, you're going to come up out of these waters with your original intention, with your original identity, with a kingdom initiative and with kingdom influence. So if that's you in this house, I want every eye closed, every head bowed. And at the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand in this place. At the count of three, if you say, Pastor Roe, I'm here to be baptized. I didn't, I didn't have any intention to be baptized today, maybe. But I want to encourage you. Hey, if you don't have clothes, we got clothes. If you ain't got shorts, we got shorts for you. If you ain't got a shirt, we got a shirt for you. If you ain't got a towel, we got a towel for you. Come on. Sir. We're here. So if that's you in this place, at the count of three, one, two, three. Lift up your hand all over you, all this room.
They go, one, one. There it is. There it is. There it is. Can we just, come on. Can we just put our hands together? Can we put our hands together? And I'm going to ask everybody that came to get baptized to start making your way over to my left side. Come on. Let's celebrate every single life that raised their hand.